the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Second hour of today's program. Boy, the first hour flew by. We uh, we covered a what I think is going to be a pretty interesting debate and a hot topic, and it's on the Twitter as we speak. And I would love for you to weigh in. Some of you already have via the Twitter poll. I do post a vital question almost each and every day, and I think it's important for us to 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 kind of keep asking questions like this. And it's now starting to pop. The vital question of the day, considering the latest data from the NFL and the autopsies that were done recently on 111 former NFL players' brains, showing 110 of them had varying signs of CTE, which is a a brain injury. Some of them just minor and some of them horrific that affects cognitive skills, memory, all, all kinds of things in the brains of these athletes. Considering all this data from the NFL on brain injuries, would you let your child play full contact tackle football? And currently, 54% of you are saying no, absolutely not. 37% say yes, and 9% are still kind of thinking about it. We talked with Burgess Owens, who played in the NFL for 10 seasons, played, played defense, he, although he was, he, um, he was in, in the safety and defensive back position, so he wasn't on the line getting his head cracked every time. There were, I'm sure, instances where they, um, where they had these, these hits that could be considered very difficult. So if you have a thought on this, be, I'd love to, I'll stop whatever I'm doing at any time today to, to have a conversation about it. 888-900-3393. Richard Silikowski joined us on Twitter and said, and I coached Pop Warner. Hard to explain what changed. And I'm not, I'm not sure I understand, Richard, if you want to give us a holler, if you want to shoot us a, a call, 888 I'd love to hear from people out there. You know, I, I just, I go back to my limited experience playing football as a kid. I played through through grammar school. I did not play in high school. And um, I know this is going to elicit some laughter from some of you. But I, I tried out for my high school football team, and I, I, ended, up, uh, I ended up as a cheerleader. Yes, it was much safer on the side lifting young young teen girls as a young teen cheerleader. And it, it, frankly, it was, it was much better for me because I would have been an incompetent football player. But I, I wonder about some of the folks. We hear about so many of these quarterbacks who've suffered concussion after concussion and what's going to happen 10 years down the line. So I'm... Uh, I want to know what you guys think. Today's big story out of D.C., uh, it's a combination of still blowback from the Scaramucci termination and General Kelly's reordering of the White House and as he is now 
settling in on day two as chief of staff, I already think I already think the White House is probably running a little bit tighter today with the general at the helm. Probably got I wonder if Steve Bannon combed his hair. Just a weird. I know it's a strange question, but I always look at Steve Bannon. He kind of looks like this nutty professor running around the White House. And no, I'm not a big Steve Bannon fan. So uh, if that offends you, I'm sorry. But uh, I, I think the general's probably starting to, to dig in and, and lay down some rules. And I think that's good for people. I think uh, people respect what you inspect. No, people respect what you inspect. And I think there wasn't a whole lot of inspection going on in the previous administration. So uh, anything will help. So good for you, General. But the president is now in the hot seat, as is his lawyer, Jay Sekulow, over this uh, Washington Post story, which claims that Donald Trump dictated the memo, the statement from Donald Trump Jr. regarding the meeting, that infamous meeting with uh, Veselnitskaya and the seven other, six other people. That was it about collusion, but they're saying that the the statement from Donald Trump Jr. was misleading, and so that may be uh, obstruction. And the minute the story broke last night, Keith Olbermann, who I hope has, I hope Keith Olbermann has chiropractic insurance, because Keith Olbermann, Keith Olbermann. Uh, stretching so far to immediately take whispers of a rumor that Donald Trump dictated a memo on Air Force One that may have been considered to be misleading or not completely true, that this was going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and puts Donald Trump in pinstripes. I'm sorry, in prison stripes and not pinstripes. That's, I, I just wish somebody could get Keith Olbermann to calm down. Olbermann and MSNBC have lost it, but they're not alone. You see, you heard you heard Stephen Carell singing or Stephen Colbert singing earlier. I played you Colbert singing from last night when he sang his little Scaramucci song. But they're they're also um, the the president seems to be inspiring singing from other members of the press as well. I I thought last night on CNN that I actually heard Chris. Chris Saliza singing. It was Saliza who was inspired, or was it this morning? He was inspired to uh, to sing concerning uh, Trump and and what was going on. Now I just have to find it. It was here a moment ago. But Chris Saliza was singing uh, Billy Joel's "You May Be Right, I May Be Crazy, But It Just May Be a Lunatic You're Looking For," and this was in relation to. The statements from Jay Sekulow about Donald Trump and whether or not Trump knew anything about this meeting, whether or not Donald Trump dictated the memo and whether or not Sekulow or Trump knew anything about this whole affair. So I'm I'm wondering how far this is going to go. I'm wondering how long this distraction is going to take over the headlines while North Korea tries to launch a a missile from a submarine, as we've now heard their submarine activity. I'm wondering how long this is going to continue as we hear that Russia is, in fact, 
considering this giant military exercise in August, at the end of August, with as many as 100,000 troops out there. I'm wondering how far this is going to go in taking the attention of the military as the as the White House and the Congress appear to be paralyzed by all of this and we get nothing going on uh, infrastructure. We already, I think most of us have kind of uh, acquiesced to the belief that healthcare is not going to change, that we're not going to see any great advancement in healthcare at all. So I wonder, I wonder about this latest distraction. How much more and how many more are going to come about? And I do believe that the, that the, um, the general, General Kelly, will bring order that will eventually tap, tamp down all of this, all of this stuff, and hopefully allow us to move forward. Now, if you listen to Glenn this morning, and I, ho- I hope you did, Glenn brought about some really interesting thoughts about how this breaks down and how the, how the, uh, the White House is broken into different factions And I do think Glenn nailed it specifically on two different levels. If you heard the first hour of the show, you heard me replay some clips from the president awarding the Medal of Honor to a soldier, a guy who fought in Vietnam. And you heard the reverence in in the president's voice. And Glenn talked about the respect Donald Trump has for the military and the respect that they give him because they do salute their commander in chief, because they do respect the office. And I think that they understand more about Donald Trump than just the mainstream media does. And I think Glenn nailed it when he talked about family. So if Donald Trump will pivot to respecting the military and dealing with him the way they deal with him. So if Trump treats the military the way they treat him as commander in chief and gives them the same amount of respect, I think that'll be very good for this White House. And if the family respects the general and the general's wishes to control the flow of information in and out of the Oval Office, I think that will be key. The wild card here for me goes back to the nutty professor that I talked about earlier. The nutty professor the guy with the wild hair, the guy I met with almost three years ago, be three years ago this fall. I thought he was crazy then, maybe crazy like a fox. I think the key here is, will Bannon move forward or will Bannon move out? I think that's the wild card now in getting this White House in order. Just a thought. Just my own personal thought. When we get back, it's, uh, it's Pelosi time. Yeah, it's Pelosi time. We have to talk about Pelosi and, and the new deal, the better deal. The new better deal. The new improved. It's, it strengthens. It lengthens. It, it does your laundry. The Democrats, new better deal. And why Nancy Pelosi just can't be honest. That's next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Mike Opelka here, you there. And I believe there's somebody on, on the phone, but my call screen software is not helping today. So uh, enter and sign in, please. Who do we have on the phone today? That would be Frank and PA. Oh, the one, the only, the legend, the man, the myth, Frank and PA. How how are you today, hey, sir? I'm good. Um, I was going to say, well, a couple things. First of all, Trump may have crashed our party, but he never apologized the next day, so it doesn't fit the song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the concussion thing with football. I have had three concussions in my life, only one from football. That was midget football. Uh I'm sorry, little people football, but no, uh, yeah. When I was when I was little, I played uh, midget football, and uh, I one day I struck so hard helmet to helmet that I got uh, like a shock down my spine and couldn't feel my legs. They had to take me to the hospital. One day, my dad wasn't there to watch practice too, so he was having out to dinner with mom. Uh, they got called away from that to come uh, come collect me at the hospital. Uh, the other two times were. Uh, uh, not sports related. They were uh, one was an auto accident and one was, I think I just fell and struck my head. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say they don't have lasting impacts, uh, and I'm sure the more you have concussive force, the you know, the the greater the impact is. But I would never think of keeping a child from engaging in football or sledding. Or you know, skiing or any of the other sports that, that everybody just skateboarding. Everybody decides everything is the worst thing ever, and they gotta keep their kids away. What are we gonna bubble wrap them? The, at least to a certain age, you're gonna recover from your injuries, for the most part. That's the way you I know, see it, it. It's it's very interesting, Frank. And you've had three concussions. I, I had one. I had a pretty serious bike wreck when I was 17 years old, 16, 17 years old. And I was I was out. There was a part yep. of my life that I either was abducted by aliens or I had a bad bike rack and I and I cracked my head and ended up, uh, you know, my mom being told to wake me up every hour to make sure I was OK. But when you talk about that shock to the top of your head and it, you know, it going through your spine and you feeling it and then losing feeling in your feet and your legs as a kid. I got a chill from that because I remember some of that. Now, I'm fortunate that I haven't had any others, and, and you've had three, which I think is probably, judging from what I've read, I think a lot of people have one or two concussions or three concussions in their life, but some of these football players, some of these people, race car drivers, football players, you just mentioned skiers, which is, yeah, yeah that's a big deal. You. You fall skiing and your head snaps and you hit that snow. It's not soft and puffy everywhere. There's a lot of ice there. So th yeah, there there is trees out there, Mike. I've seen them. Yes, ask Sonny Bono in heaven yeah, when well, you see him. Uh, but yeah, there so there there is inherent danger in going out of the house. And you know you're right. What are we going to do? Bubble wrap kids? We bubble wrap their spirits in my mind in the last couple of decades. And now we're going to make them so insulated and isolated that they're going to have no life experience. But I also don't want to be stupid. And I think 
I think science can lead here, Frank. I think we, I think we can make progress. But currently, 52% say no, 40% say yes, and 8% are undecided on the question. Would you, would you, based on what what we know now about the NFL and and long-lasting effects of of brain injuries, would you let your kid play full contact football? Uh, I, I side. I, with, I answered yes. Yeah, you did. Uh, do you have children? I have three. My youngest is 11. She's a girl. She's not likely to play football. So, I mean, I'm safe answering that. But I, would, I wouldn't have never hold my child back from playing football at, at a young age. Maybe as they got older, it, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, but uh, I, I want them to have some experience, at least something that we can both relate to that we've done. Well, that's interesting. That's a, a, a very interesting perspective to look at it from a shared experience thing as a parent. And I hadn't even taken that into account. Uh, Burgess Owens, the guy who was on earlier, I just think the world of him, uh, he brought some real clarity to it, too. But it's, it's, uh, it's something I bet we're going to see because somewhere in this country, Frank, I am betting there are boardrooms full of lawyers who are preparing some kind of suits against the NFL, uh, the Pop Warner Football Leagues, etc., to either put restrictions or limitations on the games going forward. I, I'm not saying that we're a litigious society, but you can't turn on daytime television without being bombarded with prescriptions or lawsuits for prescriptions that screwed people up. I'm just saying. Uh-oh, just, yeah, well, they, they even invite the dead to sue. I mean, if you listen to the commercial carefully, if you, if you were, were made ill or, or died, you should call because you, you might be owed money. Those lawyers that's are right. rough. And um, though that, that money could pay for your final expenses, which we all know is very important these days. <laughs> Once you're dead, you're really concerned. If, if, if you have to um, protect your children from the obvious thing that's fine but i think there's also there's a lot of value in the experiences that you allow them to have and uh, we grew up you're you're a little older than me so we grew up no seat belts climbing over the seats no bike helmets shoulder pads knee pads on the bicycles uh i mean we we were pretty rough. We didn't have motorcycle helmets on dirt bikes when you know when I was little. We were, you know, rough and ready kids. And some, and I can remember a few tragedies where people were lost growing up, uh, and they had a bad accident, and people were like, "Oh well," you know. But we kept going. We didn't give up. We didn't. And I don't think anybody sued when when something bad happened. It wasn't that bad. Uh, but you, you got to let kids have experience. Well, I'm I'm totally with you, and I appreciate you, Frank. I'm about to come up upon a break, and I didn't even get to my silly Nancy Pelosi stuff, which I will. Oh, but I always appreciate. Her. Oh, darn. Appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I know. Calm down. <laughs> uh, I appreciate. Have a good one, Mike. Chiming in, thank you, sir. There goes Frank and PA, one of the regulars here on, on Pure Opelka. When we get back, yeah, we'll get to Pelosi. I, I, I shake my head every time she speaks, and. Today is no exception. But join the conversation as well. 888-900-3393. This is Pure Opelka.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, uh, I have to remind you, you need to get your life, your freedom, everything in your world back if it's all being delayed because you have chronic pain. And one of the ways you can do it, it works for about 80% of the people who actually try it, is relief factor. I use Relief Factor. It's a high-quality fish oil, essential nutrients. It's all botanical stuff. It's not pharmaceutical stuff. It's, it's natural. And that wild-harvested, high-quality fish oil combined with those nutrients makes the, the knees and the hips and the back in me stop being so irritated. And inflammation goes away, and so the pain goes away. So uh, I got the relief I needed from Relief Factor. It's made by physicians to fight those aches and pains caused by inflammation. So I've started using it in uh, April, April 7th. Eight days later, I noticed, geez, I didn't need to take anything anymore uh, with the normal everyday aches and pains I had from all those years of beating the hell out of my body, running marathons and training for marathons, etc. So it works for me. And people who order the three-week quick start pack, they find 80% of those people who, who order that three-week quick start pack for $19.95, buy it again. So if you want to get rid of the pain, you want to get out there and get back to your life, may I suggest Relief Factor? You can pick up the phone and call them, or you can look them up at relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or the phone number. 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. The three-week quick start pack is the way to get started. 95 cents a day, less than a cup of coffee. Most people see results in seven to 10 days. Don't wait. Relief factor. You know, I meant to get to this Nancy Pelosi story, but I think it's always better to talk to people who are, are with you, guests who are with you, and uh, we, we have a vital question of the day that seems to have sparked a considerable debate among the radio audience. The question is, considering the latest data from the NFL on brain injuries, would you let your child play full contact tackle football? And one of our friends from Louisiana is checking in. Patrick in Louisiana, good morning or good afternoon or welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> good afternoon. Um no, my son does play full contact. Um, had an incident last year with uh, one of the young coaches who had played college ball and uh, last year played some uh, professional uh, Canadian football. And mm-hmm. you know, he was he was in his early twenties. He you know didn't know his own strength, and he really hit my son too hard, even with it being a pad, and and bounced him off the ground. Um, wow. People felt 20 feet away. Um, we had two officers that, that were on the coaching staff that checked him out for a concussion. And honestly, the only reason I think he didn't end up with one is we spent the extra money on 
a helmet that that the colleges are using. See, I I think you've hit on something here, Patrick. I do believe in technology. I'm an early adopter of computer technology. Like I said, I'm a guy who can't wait to get my hands on my Tesla 3, and it's going to be 11 months. But I believe technology can allow us to continue doing the things we enjoy doing, but take some of the risk out. And so uh, I, I applaud you for being a smart parent and trying to get your kid the best protection possible. Not everybody can do that. And I know... I know that one of the arguments, Patrick, here is that to outfit a child to play, let's say, high school football, to correctly outfit that child with the right equipment, protection equipment, et cetera, cleats, uh, mouth guard, shin guards, all the body armor you need to play football, costs upwards of $200, $250 per child, whereas soccer is, is about 50 bucks for shoes and a shirt. And shorts. Absolutely. I mean, but, you know, it, what's, what's it cost to, to, to buy the gear for to protect yourself from riding a motorcycle? I mean, it, it all comes down to what's your passion, what are you, the parents and, and, and the supporters of the school willing to put into it. Uh, I've got some friends back home that their son's a freshman in high school. He's 6'3", 208 pounds. And the high schools provide them special gear to protect those knees and ankles. Well, that's good. I'm happy to hear that. I'm, I'm happy well, I mean, to hear yeah. that, that people are taking responsibility. But uh, you as a parent, you're, you're cool with your child to continue playing uh, full contact tackle football. Absolutely. After, you know, it, he got over being stunned after about 20, 25 minutes, and the officers checking him out for concussion. He wanted to go back and get to practice. So, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear parents' engagement on this is, uh, is beyond just the, the plain normal. Hey, let me sign the permission slip. Parents are actually trying to get involved, make sure the kids are protected right with the right equipment. And I, I love hearing about this. I'm obviously nervous about it because I happen to be a football fan. But I, I, I don't know if you heard the story earlier. My heart broke when I met one of my heroes from my childhood, Gail Sayers, and he can't write his name because his his all the hits, I'm imagining. Because, you know, football helmets in the 60s and 70s were kind of like, uh, well, it's like putting a, a plastic bowl on your head. That was about it. There wasn't a whole lot of padding in there. Well, the, the man that uh, taught me to play football was my grandfather, and he played when there was no face mask, and it was leather helmets. <laughs> I just can't imagine. You know, we talk about tough guys today. Those were some tough people that played football in the in the 30s, 40s, and 50s when when nobody had a face mask. And like you said, some of them just wore a leather helmet that they looked like a World War II pilot. With goggles on them. <laughs> craziness. I certainly appreciate you joining the conversation today. What part of Louisiana are you calling from, Patrick? Uh, I'm just outside Baton Rouge. We talked to Hank last week. Oh, that's it. You're absolutely right. I was going to say, I bet it's Baton Rouge, and that's the Patrick who was here with us. Really appreciate you being here, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you for your time, Mike. Have a great day. If you want to weigh in on the conversation, you can uh, via the phone. 888 900 
or you can go to Twitter at StuntBrain is my Twitter handle, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. You can search for Mike Opelka, and I think I will show up there as well. But the question is simple. Considering all this data from the NFL on brain injuries, would you let your child play full contact tackle football? It'll be ongoing. Uh, We're having this conversation today amid all the other news about uh, the politics and what's happening out of D.C. I also also read uh, something weird today on the Blaze internal channel, and I don't know if I'm if this is going to turn me into a fan of um, of the monarchy, because I'm I'm always one of those guys who who says I don't get it when England goes gaga over the fact that they have a queen and a king and a prince and and all the other royal. I just the royal family thing tires me out and the the dedication and overblown attention to the royal family always gets me to shrug my shoulders and say, come on, you don't have anything better to do with your money. You really that that's that's going to be it. And then people say, well, it's tourism. You know, so many people want to go there and see the castles. Fine. We have castles here in America, too. You ever been to the Vanderbilt mansion? It's it's it looks like Downton Abbey, for God's sakes. And it's not supported by the government and it doesn't have a royal family running around saying we do charity work and we make sure that. England is forever considered great on the planet, yes, of course. Well, today, uh, I, may have, I may have come around. I may have turned the corner on, on my uh, dislike of the royal family. I may have finally opened up my arms and said, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm actually absolutely good, your, your royal highness. I can salute you. I know, what, you, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that the breaking news, thank you, PBS, is that the Queen of England enjoys four cocktails each and every day. The Queen of England enjoys four cocktails each and every day. God love you, Your Majesty. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Look, I, I promise you, I will get to the Nancy Pelosi story, but I am now, I am now captivated by the story of Queen Elizabeth and her drinking regimen. I am totally caught up in this, and as a guy who's been a, a royal family, open royal family hater, I, I'm, I'm turning a corner on Queen Elizabeth and the royal fam. Although I don't want to, I, uh, if they get crazy again when another royal baby is born, I'm, I'll turn back quickly again. But this story about Queen Elizabeth II, she's 91 years old. She is 91 years old, and she has four cocktails every day. So all I'm going to, tomorrow, when Dr. Jorge is on for Wellness Wednesday and his regular segment, I'm going to confront him with this story that, Queen Elizabeth enjoys four cocktails each and every day. 
and she starts drinking <laughs> before lunch. Oh, this is too wonderful. <laughs> the ruler of the United Kingdom, not only does she have the uh, power to hold the throne, but she apparently can also hold the booze. <laughs> Business Insider reported all of the, the queen's habits, eating and drinking. Before lunch, she enjoys a gin and Dubonnet cocktail with lemon and ice. Just a bit of a refresher, if you will. Charles, will you join Mumsy in a, in a bit of a pre-lunch cocktail? I can just see Charles going, Mummy, do you think that's appropriate? Then when the queen sits down with her, her lunch, she reportedly enjoys a, a glass of wine at lunch alongside uh, her food, usually a simple and healthy meal. But she's also partial to chocolate for dessert. Now, in, in evening, as, as cocktail hour rolls around, the queen loves a dry martini. And Town & Country magazine reports, no word on whether it is shaken or stirred. I'm sure it's shaken. And what kind of gin does the queen have in her dry martini? Anybody want to bet it's Bombay Sapphire? Because let's, let's remember, let's remember Queen Victoria's image is on the label of the Bombay Sapphire gin. This may be my favorite story today. But, but capping off the queen's Four drinks per day. Now, see, she does. The queen is a professional drinker. You can tell here. She spreads out the consumption. She starts with the the pre-lunch cocktail, <laughs> the warm-up cocktail, if you will, a little gin and Dubonnet with a little. It's kind of almost like a spritzer, right? It's a little gin cocktail, gin, Dubonnet, and a little lemon and ice, just to you know, just to kind of take the edge off the morning. <laughs> The monarch taking the edge off. And then when it comes time to have lunch, she'll have a glass of wine, but just a glass. It's not like she's hammered by, by the middle of the day. And then when it comes time for dinner, before dinner, the queen will have a cocktail, a very dry martini. And uh, then at the end of the night, and now this is what makes me feel good. She's the queen, the the 91-year-old monarch will enjoy a glass of bubbly. She will have champagne to wrap up the day. Because why wouldn't you? You're the queen, for gosh sakes. She likes the Bali. The Bollinger, Lanson, and King. I wonder if that does anything for the sales of those three brands. Hmm. The Queen's cousin is the one they got the information from at the Town & Country article. Margaret Rhodes has told The Independent that her drink preferences, the Queen's drink preferences, never change. Never. Well, she's very loyal, as you would expect. But the Queen, um, the queen visited the Guinness factory in Dublin, which is a kind of a cool place to go to, and they offered her a glass of beer. But... Um, Apparently, we are not amused by beer. The queen said, thank you, but no thank you, and where the hell is the gin? That's not exactly what she said, but she did turn it down. I, my favorite story of the day so far, aside from getting to talk with our old buddy Burgess Owens uh, about football and, and the traumatic brain injuries, I, I think this story of the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II, 
racking up four drinks every day. That means she puts down 28 cocktails a week. How does that stack up to your consumption? She's 91. She must have a hollow leg. But again, she's doing it, you know, spacing it out over the course of the day. Maybe it just keeps her kind of on an even keel. And I'm, she can't be taking a lot of meds if she's pumping all that booze into herself. Good for you, your royal highness. I hope Donald Trump gets over there and has, has to uh, witness all this. be wonderful to see. Coming up in the third hour, yes, Pelosi, 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 and more. It's Pierre Opelka. Come on back. Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.